0: Oh, hello friends. That's right, it is podcast time. So, get ready for this one. Bruce Duckworth is a designer. He's the co-founder and co-chairman of Turner Duckworth. It's an award-winning international brand identity design firm. That is a complex way of saying that Bruce and the people that work for him build the biggest brands on the planet. And when I say the biggest, I mean... Amazon's Smile logo, which you'll have seen on every box you've ever had delivered, was designed by him. And they do Coca-Cola and Samsung and Elemis and Metallica. So I just had to sit down with him and ask, what's it like to work for Jeff Bezos? You know, to sit down in a briefing and have Jeff Bezos sat opposite you or to be charged with doing the rebrand for Coca-Cola. It's just so cool. So many awesome stories. There's some great tips in here if you are a burgeoning graphic designer or just someone who has an artistic tendency. There's some really nice takeaways from Bruce about how you can monetize your passion and Uh, some principles that you can follow. I'm pretty confident that if you couple this episode with a couple from Richard Shotton and one from Rory Sutherland, you've probably got the beginnings of a world-beating branding, design, advertising and marketing company. So there you go. Some free gains for you there. Credit Modern Wisdom. Feel free to pay me 10%. Of whatever you make. In other news, this episode of the prod- the pro the podcast this episode of the podcast, which is what what happens when you're listening to a podcast and someone prods you. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Fitbook.co.uk. Fitbook is the first company in the UK who provide the public with vetted and monitored health and fitness professionals. Have you ever had a health and fitness professional, a masseuse or a personal trainer or whatever it might be? Did you ask them for proof of their qualifications or insurance? Chances are that you probably didn't. Research from Idea Health and Fitness Association shows 45% of health and fitness professionals do not have the correct qualifications they claim they have. So you could just be being trained by some bloke, you know, or just, just getting rubbed by some fella. You don't want that. You want to make sure that you have a DBS checked, fully qualified fitness professional that is working with you. You also want to be able to see their reviews and fitbook.co.uk is the best way to do this. So if you are a customer, head to fitbook.co.uk and you can sign up today for free and see all of the fully qualified DBS checked fitness professionals in your area. If you need new PT, need new masseuse, whatever it might be, go there. If you are a fit pro, if you're a personal trainer or masseuse or any other type of fitness professional who is looking to expand your client base, especially as we're about to reopen back into the wild, hopefully you need to build that client's base back up. You can get 50% off your membership by using the code modernwisdom. So head to fitbook.co.uk Code Modern Wisdom for 50% off your membership. If you are a Fit Pro and if you're a customer, you can browse the site to your heart's content without even signing up. And then next time that you need someone to come sort your bad shoulder out or to get you in shape for that new holiday, whatever it is, you've got the membership there. Fitbook.co.uk. But for now, it's time for the wise and wonderful Bruce Duckworth. First things first, did you come up with the Amazon box smile design? Yes. How, so that, many, how many people do you think have seen that? Everyone that's listening, think about the last Amazon parcel you got. It was probably this morning. The fact that underneath Amazon, there's a little smiley face, but it didn't yep. used to be like that, apparently. I went on your website, it didn't used to be like that. It used to be
1: the other way, like a, yes. frou- like a
0: frowny face. talk that right. t- Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so that's um, how many people is is an interesting um, question. I think that somebody had worked it out that just the logo printed on packaging had been printed on packaging about 100 billion times. um and i've just never you know that's just extraordinary isn't it? that's just packaging that's let alone not on side of airplanes or lorries gift or cards, on websites, which is yeah. awesome. gift cards all the rest of it so that's just an extraordinary thing isn't it when you when you design something and you're responsible for drawing it and then it's repeated so many hundreds of billions of times it's just unbelievable isn't it <laughs> i suppose we didn't think it was ever going to be as big as that obviously you know i mean who could have imagined i'm sure even jeff bezos didn't realize it was quite as big as he's got now um it was, I think, it was about 20 years ago. Um, Amazon were um, they they were the, the biggest bookseller uh, online bookseller, if you remember, and that's all they did, just bookselling. And um, and they it was a, the we, we have a, a an office in San Francisco, and um, we were working on a lot of um, dot com boom and the subsequent bust um, kind of companies around the kind of 98 type um, time, and um, and. And Amazon wanted to change their business model from being just an online bookseller to sell everything on the Internet. And so um, the meeting uh, with Jeff Bezos was we need to um, the brief from him was we need to tell everybody um, that we're now selling everything on the Internet, uh, not just books. And we also need to tell everybody that we are the most consumer friendly. We want to be the most consumer friendly um, company on the Internet, because at the time, although that seems like everybody does that now at the time, that was quite a big deal. Um, And so those are the two things we had to communicate. And, you know, logo design is about communication. And so you have to try and find the unique thing that is to do with their name um, and what they're trying to communicate. So um, Amazon, we were lucky or we looked hard, I guess. Um, There's an A and a Z in amazon if you think of the name and so um, so an arrow that went from a to z means everything right so we thought if we could um, link the a to the z uh, with a smile which was a sort of you know a, looks a bit like an arrow but is also a smile it goes from a to z and it's sort of consumer friendly um which is a sort of you know that's uh you know that's the answer right to the to the brief as it as it turned out the the logo before had a sort of an underline which was a sort of like an like a sort of frown smile like an upside down smile so actually just by inverting that and adding the arrowhead to the end we managed to move it sort of manipulate it from being one look of a logo um into the new logo with meaning and that and i think that sort of uh, has has done us well i mean wherever i go in the world there is a piece of my work on someone's so who desk. So who did the actual
0: piece? That Was it you that drew the thing? You you specifically? Yeah. Well, or was I'm it gonna, someone in your
1: team? I, I, no, in, in, in my team. It was a guy oh. called Anthony Biles. Smiles Biles, we called him after that. No <laughs> way.
0: That's cool. Congratulations, Anthony. Your work's been seen yeah, by yeah. billions and billions of people. Am yeah. I right in saying Jeff Bezos said anyone who doesn't like this logo doesn't
1: like puppies? That's, that's exactly what he said. I mean, it was a response <laughs> to somebody somebody on in his team. You know, you have these – there weren't that many people um, uh, in his team. It was very kind of, you know, talk to the main man and the, the key people. But there was somebody in Consumer Insights who said, shouldn't we at least test this with consumers? And he was like, really? If you don't like smiles, you don't like puppies. And so, yes, that that is a true and – and actually, the sort of – you know, you try and capture a little bit of the personality of um, the company – in the logo it's obviously it's just a symbol it can't do everything um but actually he has uh, jeff bezos has a very sort of uh guffawing laugh and somehow when i see that smile it reminds me of him jeff bezos encapsulated in type and, in type <laughs> yes. and but it is amazing when you you know and, and i think that's part of the the joy of graphic design you know and and what i love so much about design is that that you know when you do create something um which has um you, you know something good about it that that Literally billions of people could see it, you know. Um, it's not a one-off. It's um, it's designed to be published many, many, many it's times. A
0: legacy, right? Yeah, it really is very transcendent. Um, I mean, hearing the richest man on the planet behind probably the single most popular cons- uh, consumer company on the planet, likening the logo that you made to puppies. <laughs> there's not many higher accolades that you can get <laughs> than that, right? I mean, where do you go from there? <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. Is there anything
0: better than a puppy? Yeah, no. That's it. I challenge anyone listening to tell us anything that's better than a puppy. So we've kind of skirted around it. What do you do? What is turn a duck with?
1: So um, uh, turn it up with, we, we're graphic designers. Um, we design um, logos and uh, the packaging and the visual identity for brands. So um, how would you know things that we've done if you walk into any supermarket um, and you pick up a piece of packaging? Somebody has designed that packaging. Um, so, and uh, what I mean by that is they've designed the logo, the colors, the uh, typography, the illustration, the photography. It has all been created by somebody like me. Um, And and, and so that's what we do. We create the look, the visual identity of a brand. And the way that sort of starts is often on packaging design, because that is the one piece that everybody gets to see um, and has to it's really the closest thing you get to the product itself. So, for example, we redesigned um, everything for Coca-Cola about 10 years ago, probably now. Um, and when you think about a bottle of Coca-Cola, you know the, the, the closest you come to the liquid itself is the packaging. I mean, it has to, and, and it becomes until something it's inside every, you, yeah, until it's, exactly. <laughs> um, or, yes, exactly. So the packaging becomes a truly sort of truly iconic thing. Um, and and yeah, so that's what what we've designed for all sorts of different people. And I have a company that is uh, has about 120 people, um, and the, about 80 of those are other graphic designers, um, and the rest are support team that make all of that work. Wow,
0: that's so cool. Were you guys anything to do with the names on the Coke cans? Was that part of your? Uh, no, yeah, you had to bring that up, didn't you? Sorry, Bruce.
1: <laughs> It was around at the same time, um, but no, that was done um, by an Australian um, team uh, in um, at coca cola The designs um, so- look
0: lovely anyway, even the ones without the names on they look lovely as well
1: <laughs> well it's it 's a sort of interesting um, you know when you have a company you know we started by working for lots of little tiny little brands um, so you know, uh, it wouldn't be unusual to have seen our uh, work for startups. So, for example, Innocent Smoothies when they first started, we did the original bottle, the shape of the bottle design, um, and that would have been um, a typical kind of client of ours um, back in the day. And then, as we got uh, more successful, and the bigger guys come came to see us, and ultimately, the biggest brand in the world um, was was Coca Cola, consumer brand, and uh, and so to design that was. Um, and and, an amazing thing. But of course, what they loved about our work, which is the reason that we got the job in the first place, was that we were able to um, get across a kind of interesting um, looking uh, design across all different sort of touch points, which is every time you sort of see or touch the brand um, for small companies and they wanted to do the same um for a big company like coca-cola which can uh, coca-cola and those kind of companies can come across as the kind of enormous corporate giants and who wants to you know to you know have any kind of consumer relationship with those kind of companies they seem um austere and you know like a big system um and so you know although we designed the packaging to start with then we design everything else and the way and guidelines for the way everything looks And our idea with Coca-Cola was to stop it looking just like a big corporate giant, but to give it some kind of friendliness and, um, you know, humanity, like there are actual humans in the Coca-Cola company. There must be some. Yeah, there are. I'm sure there are. I know there are, um, rather than just sort of big old corporate giant.
0: Bizarrely, with the small company you already have that brand communication just naturally. You know the size of the company. Everyone knows that Coca-Cola is big. So it makes sense that oddly, from a signaling perspective, the small company wants to potentially look more corporate because it signals that they have Gravitas and they're established within the market. And then you get to the point where you have Gravitas and are established within the market and you're desperately trying to look like John down the road who's just started his little company.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's exactly that's exactly true. There's a there must be a sweet spot for the type of brand and the right exactly the right moment. And but you know, when you've got a brand that's 125 years old, like Coca-Cola, it's constantly reinventing itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so exactly. That's exactly the, the and, you know, and the, I guess consumers are also looking for new things. Um, and, you know, they don't want to just be buying the same old stuff all the time. And certainly if a brand like coca starts to look old fashioned, it's been around for a long time. You know, you, you, you can see sales drift off. Mm. Um, so, so what we do is, um, you know, keep them up to date. You know, people say to me, oh, "What? Do you really, des- you didn't really, can't really have designed the Coca-Cola logo because that's been around for 125 years," which is true. Um, and interestingly, that uh, that Coca-Cola script, mm-hmm. it's called the Spenserian script, was actually um, was taken from the the original of that was actually taken from the handwriting of the accountant at Coca-Cola, who no had the, you know, accountants back in the day when they had those big ledgers had the most amazing calligraphic scripts. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's where it originally came from. And, and over the years, that has been slightly tweaked and slightly tweaked to make a little bit more legible and a little bit more beautiful. Um, and, and although consumers and consumers and customers and people, you, I mean, I don't know, I don't really like the term consumers, but that's what, they, well, that's what they, we all are, right? Um, you don't notice the difference necessarily all the time, um, but it stops the brand. What we do stops that kind of brand becoming old-fashioned.
0: Yeah, it must be, it must be a challenge. There's so many doorways that I could go down here. It's like I, I finally get to speak to Santa Claus and ask him how all of the toys are made. This is kind of how it, how it feels a
1: little <laughs> bit. Um, but well, I'll uh, tell you if you ask the right question. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm try, I'm desperately trying. I, I promise. Um, it's certainly one thing that I think there is, um, uh, reinventing brands that don't need to be done. This goes out to my business partner, Darren, who insists every year on us updating the artwork for our club nights, whether they're performing well or whether they're performing badly. And I'm like, man, there has to be a point. And the, the reason that I don't like it or that I have an aversion to it is that the market changes by exactly one third or more every year because the students leave. I'm like, look... <laughs> At least one third of the people see this as brand new artwork. And because we tend toward younger students in any case, I'm like, the ones that were our market last year, they've already pissed off. They don't care. Um, but with the Coca-Cola thing, there could be a, a potential where you try and reinvent something that actually is fine. And I can imagine there'll be a lot of meetings where people sit around and say, we need a new design. We need to inject some more new newness into this thing and you're like ah maybe that's not quite right
1: i wonder how many brands overshoot on refreshing their look well i think yes i i think some do um, but but they're actually more likely to not even try, not to go anywhere near overshooting because they're often so cautious. I mean, these are billion dollar brands, you know, they really are selling an enormous amount of product and they really don't want to get it wrong. Um, Because there are sort of channels of of promotion and and, uh, communication, which people hardly ever see or half your audience never see. But packaging is one of those things that everybody sees. Um, So it's an incredibly intense um, uh, uh, process of getting exactly 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 right you know, could, exactly the right color I red exactly the, only you know, that only imagine how
0: specific your guys have to be <clears throat>
1: yeah yeah and and you and i think over the years you know you i mean i'm, I'm an art student i mean I, that's, that's what i you know i started by drawing at school and things and, and you end up doing this and um what i suppose we've done is we've become sort of enormous specialists in um we can you, you know, the, the skill we have of choosing the right typefaces, choosing the right colors, the right, the, uh, the way the lettering is drawn, illustration, photography, all that kind of thing. It you, I can make things these days. If, if, if you say I wanted to be a little bit, look a little bit more classy, I know exactly what to do. But I want to make it a little bit less classy. <laughs> you exactly are a dream, Bruce. Because it's like a, you know, it's like a kind of, um, it's like desk. a mixing desk. Yeah. Right, yeah, and you yeah. just pull things up and push things down, and because we have a, uh, all graphic designers have this sort of, you know, we see in, you know, we see in, we, we you know, we're not in words or numbers like some of your guests have been, uh, but we see, we, we just work in pictures the whole time. Um, yeah, yeah. In in my mind, I sometimes feel like I, you know, I can remember. So many visual things, um, and I can't remember the last thing I read, even if I read it (laughs) two minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) But I can remember things I've seen. When you have... my my definition retention in my eye. Yeah, yeah.
0: When you guys are working at the... It's Premier League design level, right? Biggest companies in the world, most important projects in the world. You need someone who... Um, in the nicest way possible has a, a freakish side to one particular domain of their competence, right? You need someone who literally can only see in pictures, can, yeah. can take the word. And you've touched on that there. I, I want to get into a couple of things. One of them being entrepreneurs and how, how, um, we, me as a good example, can communicate with other versions of you. Uh, More effectively. And you've touched on it there about that. I want it just a little bit more sort of classy or can we have it a bit more kind of, you know, like edgy and what people do. What I'm trying to say is I'm using a word which is the closest proxy for an impression of something I want to see. And, like, this, yeah. that's so inefficient. Like, it's so many steps removed, yeah. you know? But the fact, you guys being able to take that and then have the skills to deploy it,
1: yeah, that's where... I, I mean, I think the skill is, um, you know, particularly when you come to do things like a logo, for example, I mean, Amazon is just, it's only prints in one colour, you can't, I mean, there's not no, nothing you can do really with color, particularly. Um, it's only got, you know, a, just a few letters. And how do you communicate all these things? Um, and so we spend a lot of time um, uh, when we've got a design, figuring out the, stri- the the reason why that design is the correct design for the client. And so we would use a lot of the words they've used, the edgy, the classy, all those kind of words. Um, and 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 explain how that manifests itself as a visual. So, if it's classy, what does classy mean visually? I mean, I know what it means. you know what in your head is it the same as in my head? And so you could by going through every single kind of personality trait that they're trying to um, communicate, you can you can sort of narrow it all down graphically. Um, to something that makes sense at the end, and you can you can sort of see in a in a typical presentation, in a good presentation, you mm-hmm. can see mm-hmm. clients kind of nodding along and nodding along, and you go, well, so this is the answer, and they nod, and they go, thanks yes, very much. That was it. great. <laughs> How fantastic. did you do that? So you often only show people clients, um, uh, you know, probably a maximum of three solutions. Um, Why? You, you know, because. Um, actually, it's much easier, like it's much, much easier to, if I were to give uh, my team designing a logo, um, you know, they go off and, and they come back and show me the logos um, that they've worked on for a few days. And there's maybe 50 logos there. Now, I could take that to a client and I could say, we've done 50 logos for you. Which one do you like? But then actually, they're, they're then put in a position where they're they're becoming me, a creative director, because my job is to take but the best and only show the very best to the client um, and hone them until they're perfect. Um, and, uh, and I think it's a kind of lazy to show more than three. In fact, the hardest thing would be to show them one solution um, because then it would have to be absolutely spot on. It tends to be that you should have to show clients more than one because um, the, the way they describe what they want has slight different nuances. So you have to just tease out from them which one they really mean.
0: This is a bit more classy. This is a bit more edgy. This is a bit more this, whatever yes, it might exactly, be. Yeah, exactly. I, I,
1: I, but, but but the principle and the, what you're trying to communicate through the symbolism um, is is exactly the same. Yeah, the
0: par- that paradox of choice is a, is a real thing. You know, when you yeah. have you have the entire world of shapes and colors at your disposal to to make something from. It's going to be challenging. So, um, you design. You said. Pro, like packaging, um, the way yeah. that products look and stuff. I mean, if you want to put wings on a McNuggets box, can you do it? Like, can you just say, "Oh, we really think that the wings would look good"? You well, mentioned about something having movement yeah. in it.
1: Yeah, sure, you can. I mean, it's um, it it's, it's all possible, right? The uh, you have to, I think, consumers are very. Um, you know uh, they, they they think long and hard these days um, about uh, recyclability and sustainability, and if the wings you put on the McDuggett's box are completely <laughs> frivolous and superfluous, <laughs> then they probably will think that's exactly they 're not it. stupid that 's exactly what they 'll think it Damn is it. Yeah. <laughs> frivolous and super superfluous so I think um, you know we have to we have to think like consumers i mean it, in the last 10 years our, our relationship with those kind of brands has changed because we do particularly with food brands uh, because of course we deal with the aftermath of of the product you know the packaging is litter and you know whether it's recyclable or it's not recyclable you know we have to deal with that much more than we used to we just used, used to just throw it in the bin and forget about it and these days we yeah we have to sort it out and we ha- and we're very aware of um, what's good for the environment and bad and so i think and brands that are you know, uh, excessive, you know, consumers don't like them, which is mm. fair enough.
0: Okay. It's, I find it so fascinating that you start with the packaging and then, and then work from there. Mm. I think it's so interesting. Because it's
1: so close. It's so close, isn't it? So we designed um, the the visual identity for Levi Strauss, uh, the the jeans, you know, and they're on the back of – and and they have kind of packaging. You know, they have a logo on which is a little red tab that goes in sewn into the back pocket. They have another logo that is um, across the back back pocket which is too sort of curved it's like almost like a seagull a flying seagull kind of in in uh, very simple terms called the arcuate um which has always been a trademark of theirs and then they have that leather patch that you stick on the back of the jean um all of those become their packaging now that now the 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 the, the denim trousers without those elements are not levi's Um, but with them and the buttons as well um with them and all the trademarks that go around those, uh, that's a pair of Levi's. So the packaging is sort of absolutely essential to the product in a lot of cases.
0: I love the the way that you said about the, the packaging being the closest that you get to the product, especially yeah. with stuff that you consume.
1: Like, yeah. And, and, and where, you know, I mean, if you're, you know, the the, 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 logos that you're wearing in your t-shirt, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's uh, that's another form of branding and another form of packaging.
0: Yeah, is what does um, love the unmistakable mean?
1: Um, what you're trying to do is to uh, all the time with every brand that we work on is find a thing that is truly unique about them, and then communicate that in their packaging and their logos and everything else that that we end up designing. Um, and unique is one thing, um, and unique is uh, we we call that being try and be unmistakable Um, and what we mean by that is that uh, like I you know when I go on the tube um, and I go to the office um, I I don't take any notice of the adverts in the tube right I don't really don't I've got my head down and I'm doing other things Um, but as I got the escalators these adverts flick past the corners of my eye um, and they are I am registering some kind of communication from them although I'm not looking directly at them and I think that if uh, if, if a, a visual identity, uh, the things that we do, if it's truly effective, even that little peripheral vision actually registers that that's the brand, and because it is completely unmistakable, you know. Um, so there's there's a good reason that coca Cola is red and and Pepsi Cola is blue. You know, I mean they're very they're very different, right? And they're completely unmistakable. Um, and 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 yeah, so that's what we're always striving for is. To be so unique that you're unmistakable
0: you're right as well it's um it does more of the work for you having a brand image which is unique and is unmistakable it scales itself beyond the communication right, you're right. you right you can just catch it out the corner of your eye i know a mcdonald's when i see a mcdonald's even if i'm yep. looking in like 5 percent of my vision is able to see it. I'm like, it's a McDonald's over there. Yeah. Yes, like, exactly. Know, same <laughs> and that's with that Starbucks, combination. Same with whatever.
1: It's exactly the combination of yellow and red that do that. You know, those are design elements. Now, you know, uh, it, it's become very interesting in the last sort of ten. Exactly. In fact, it's almost exactly ten. It, it may even be nearly eleven years, because um, the, our design world was was uh, transformed when Apple produced the iPhone. Um, because Apple, which I've always sort of thought is a, a company where they've taken de- design principles to their absolute perfection, I think some the, the, the products are beautifully designed, the user interface is beautifully designed, the um, the how they use their iconography of their Apple. You know, if you if if you were a, um, an alien and you landed on this planet and you saw an Apple Store, you'd think we worshipped apples. I mean, it's that it's that strong. Church, the and Church
0: that, of Apple. You are right. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: And, um, and what the iPhone did was it, it, it made everybody um, everybody um, realize what good design was. Um, and it put the standard way higher than it was before. And particularly for these very large brands and the kind of the Coca-Cola's, the McDonald's, um, who I think had fallen out of step with good design um, and had spent all their money in other areas of communication. Um, they realized that then and certainly when we did our work on coca-cola that we want to be as good as apple are we need to be as good as apple because our consumers are are seeing Apple every single day. Using It's in their hand. It's in their pocket. They're seeing it every single day. Remember that beautiful box that (laughs) that your Apple iPhone comes in? You know, those kind of um, experiences are pure design experiences, and they communicate to the consumer about quality, that everything's been thought of. You know, and so, you know, by considering the design, if they feel like everything consumers think then, that everything that Apple produces has been carefully considered, which it has. You know, a friend of mine works for Apple and said to me, you know, we don't send an an email to anybody unless it's been through the design department. Because, you know, if we send one email to our Apple iPhone customers, that's how many hundreds of thousands of millions of whatever it is of people is that, you know, you get the design wrong there. um, And and it kind of the whole the whole is, you know, everything. Yeah. Yeah, everything's so so cohesive, and um, so so. I'd like to personally thank Steve Jobs for <laughs> you know for promoting design in a way that um, <coughs> other other brands at that scale hadn't done. It used to be a much more elitist thing, you know, where. Um, you know, good design was seen in opera for posters for operas, and you know, beautiful, you know, expensive luxury products and and spirits and wines and that kind of thing. And now I think that that good design is actually much much more um, for everybody, which is a much better thing.
0: An inflection point of that was Apple releasing the iPhone. That's so incredible that a whole. You know, it's not as if what you're doing is new a new media you know people have been designing stuff for
1: ages oh yeah, yeah. and you can just- i mean you look at the look at the great logos of our time you know the, the probably the greatest logo is i mean depends on your religion but i mean the, you know the christian cross is a, is a logo it's a representation of uh of the of of the bible um and and you know and a, and a great uh, not not a great um um example maybe but i mean the the swastika is also a fantastic piece of design graphic yeah. design i mean it's a uh, based on the i think the him, the hindu symbol for peace i think or, or, oddly enough um and actually you know but it it was an incredibly powerful uh, piece of graphic design uh, not sure i believe exactly what the company stood for in that yeah, case
0: well you don't need to do you but, it can be you know, it can stand alone as a good piece yeah. of design yeah. yeah um i remember I don't know whether the listeners will be able to, but I remember buying phones, like maybe like a BlackBerry in 2008 type time, 2009. And I remember getting that out of the box and it would be wrapped in cellophane and there'd be like a huge piece of documentation that came with it and a big warranty guide and all this other stuff. And you are right, like when you now purchase especially Apple are the elite minimalists when it comes to this stuff, right? Like, And you're, you're correct. Opening it is one of the most joyous experiences of using it, which is, yeah. again, very transcendent, very, very interesting.
1: And, and really, you know, every point that you touch a brand whatever that brand is should have the equivalent of that should be as good in whatever works. I mean, it's unlikely to be as expensive and as beautifully produced, but I remember we did something for Coca-Cola, which was, um, they had these little, um, so, so we did the packaging and we did the, and all these, um, executions all over the world were being done by local agencies. Um, but one of these executions came back and it was, um, and, that uh, they said, Oh, we always, um, have a little drinks mat that goes when you're on an airplane, Mm-hmm. and you you order a drink it comes you know coca-cola provide the little circular drink mat that goes on you on, on your tray table and um, and and you know I mean it's a tiny little thing right um, but they, and they said oh we, we said oh how many how many do you produce of these and they said oh we have a we do, we do roughly about half a billion of those because of course the scale the amount of drinks you have <laughs> so it's like if you don't design that properly then you're missing out on the opportunity of, you know, half a billion pieces of good communication. You know what I mean? So (laughs) these small, tiny things can, should be treated with, you know, with care and attention.
0: Yeah. Is this integrated, cohesive um, and unified movement this um – yeah, unified front like a like a war, um, troops moving in battle type thing. They all go at the yeah. at the right time at the right pace. I think <clears throat> yeah. definitely seeing. And you are right. Like I, I I notice a change in the way that brands communicated pre iPhone and post iPhone, and it definitely does feel like that was a an inflection point. There might be some people listening that are thinking, "Well, this is this is interesting from a, a consumer perspective." but I don't really know how. Communicating with someone like yourself, a creative director or a graphic designer or whatever, is that interesting or that that important for me? I suppose in my in my life. But I challenge anyone to not have a problem with a graphic designer at some point in their life. Like everybody, yeah. you, you you've got your mum's fiftieth coming up and you've got to make a facebook cover photo a banner for facebook or you you brothers started a dog grooming service so you post you post recommendations on on online saying does anyone know any good local graphic designers and you get a million different things that come back so i want to yeah. um i want to ask how as a client and also as a graphic designer i know that our designer Johnny will be listening uh, shout out Johnny you're awesome um and <laughs> um a bunch of other graphic designers, creatives, and stuff like that. How can you ensure from both the graphic designer's perspective and from the client's perspective that the brief and the communication between the two is as smooth as possible? There's no superfluous stuff in there. It's as efficient but as thorough as it needs to be. Have you got
1: some some strategies of how you do that? You, you mean between the client and the graphic designer? Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Well. How does it become? I mean, I you know, I think back in the in the original kind of graphic designers who were originally okay, like graphic designer used to be called commercial artists, right? You know, um, that's what it was called before we were all called graphic designers, um, and and that kind of tells you a little bit about actually, it's more descriptive what we do. You know, it is a sort of art, but it's a, for, for other people, right? It's the commercial part. We do it for money and we do it for other people, um, and. It, uh, there were always stories of how these kind of iconic, um, you know, spearheading graphic designers would stand on the windowsill of a 10 story rebuilding saying, buy my idea because it's so brilliant and I'll throw myself off if you don't buy it. It's that good. We don't do that anymore. You know, we don't need to do that anymore. Right. You know, um, and so I think the, uh, the. The communication is just it has to be. Um, See, what we're always looking what as a graphic designer you're always looking for is that you know as as i say we think in pictures so whatever you say to me that i need to translate into something that becomes um, a piece of graphic design i have to be able to put that into pictures right so you could you, you could give me some words and say oh, bruce i need it to be exactly like this and you give me all these sort of you know quality uh, you know um, high end um whatever it is um but if i can't actually make it into a picture You know, if if I can't draw it, if I can't, if it it just some things you just can't draw because it's a feeling and it's an emotion, you just can't do it. Um, And so I think the communication has to be like the designer has to speak to the client And explain that kind of thing to them so that whatever they say, they could give them a 200-page marketing report and say, no, I need a logo. Can you do it from that? And you say, well, there's no way I can condense all of that into a logo. You've only got one color and four letters, whatever it is. (laughs) Um, There's no way that can happen. Um, So I need to... um, I need to tease out that conversation between the client and the, and the designer has to be teasing out of the really, really important bits of information. What do you really want to say? You know, what do you really want to communicate? Um, and then when you've all agreed that that's the right thing, then go away and work at it and then come back with solutions that really do answer those four or five words, whatever it is um, that has to. And so there's no room for um, getting it wrong.
0: Should you always do your first briefing in person?
1: Oh, I always, yeah, because you because how do you know um, Jeff Bezos has got a guffawing laugh if you've never met him? Why do you know that that smile is right for him? You know, I mean, you know, that's not the reason we did it, but it nevertheless is part of the personality of the company. Um, So, absolutely, you know, there's a whenever you design a, um, uh, for example, a beer like a branded beer you know and you design a new beer if you go to the brewery there's always uh, you'll see things in the despite what the client will talk to you about you know you'll also be observing all these different things the way they brew the beer the way the hops come in the way you know the shape of the whatever it is the the, the stills or the, the type tons. of
0: people that are brewing there or the pigeons that rest on the things uh, exactly outside and there's always
1: and there'll be a weather vane on top of the brewery and you'll go, oh, that's interesting. You know, or the brewery gates will have a bit of uh, curly metal that'll inspire you. So, yeah, you have to really immerse yourself in it and see I love them.
0: That. I think that's very, a very um, sort of holistic, artistic, all encompassing view. I think that's a really cool way to do it. And I guess as well, the implication is as a client if you have an agenda and if you're desperate for your designer to not come up with something, you're going to have to strap blinkers to the sides of their eyes so that they walk through the brewer or the, what your particular premises and don't no, don't look at the pigeon over there, that weather vane's not for you and this isn't a thing and blah, 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 yeah, don't maybe. look at the gates.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I, I think that there's, uh, you know, some clients would definitely make a mistake of saying, this is what I want, now can you go away and do it? And really what you're doing, trying to say is, this is what I need to communicate how best would you bring it to life?
0: I like that. I like that a lot. So one of the things that we touched on before we started, which I think is a really fascinating topic, is how creatives can commercialise their ability. Now, I know I, one of the guys that works for us at the moment, Ben, who will also be listening, fine art student in his final year of his master's at Newcastle University, just an amazing display, which unfortunately he never actually got to do, because uh, coronavirus kind of killed that. But unbelievable, like phenomenal stuff that he did. Um, how can he, as a fine arts student, someone who's good at drawing, someone who's got an interesting graphic designer, anyone else that's listening, who has a passion like you had, how mm. do they go from just being considered to be the guy that gets watercolors, the the girl that gets watercolors out in a conservatory three times a year when she's bored to someone that can actually, you know, make a living out of it. How do you you
1: make that jump? (laughs) Well, I think, you know, in in terms of graphic design, and and I can't, I I don't really know how you do it with fine art. Um, I mean, obviously there are, you know, there are some amazingly successful and rich and, you know, fantastic artists, uh, fine artists, but in graphic design world, you know what we do is is we do work for uh, someone's got a problem a commercial usually a commercial problem um, or an opportunity that they need a graphic design to help them with in order to make them more successful and so what we do is provide part of the solution that makes them more successful so we do have a value what we produce actually has a value you know um, you know that Amazon I, I wish I'd just thinking about it now, I wish we had charged for the amount of times it had been used. Oh, my, I was, that was what I was the, thinking.
0: Um... If you'd got it per impression, <laughs> yeah. you, could
1: have charged, yeah. you could have charged an unbelievably low price. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yes, I should have, yeah, we should have done that. That's a, that would have been a great uh, 2020 um, hindsight there. Oh, um, but now, what we do is we do things that, that improve people's businesses. And there is a, there's a genuine commercial benefit in us getting it right. So therefore, um, you know, we get paid for doing it. And th- the higher up you get in the kind of um, in, you know, if you're the best in the world, at it, you'll get should get paid the best in the world for doing it. Um, and so you can, you know, I think what's what, what's amazing. You're absolutely right. You know, I started off as um, just being good at art at school. Um, and then went to art college. And so what future is there for that? You I've know, got know um, loads of people
0: that would just go, like my mum was just good at art, but she's yes, not, exactly. she, not running yeah. Amazon's new logo campaign. <laughs>
1: no, 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 that's right. So, um, you know, it's just, you just have to do something where there is a, a, a there is a proper financial benefit to a client for using you. You know, if you get it done properly and you get it done well, I mean, you know, we did that Amazon logo 20 something years ago, you know, and and it's still being used. That's that wasn't. I mean, it was expensive at the time. I'm sure someone said it was too expensive at the time. But now, looking back on it, it was cheap. You know, that's because Jeff it happens, Bezos because it driving that
0: price down, getting yeah. yourself a good deal.
1: Yeah, and and also I think that uh, something to be very aware of as a designer is that often it is your, um, you know, um, some people think being a designer is a kind of gift. But it's also kind of a curse at the same time because you can draw things and visualize things and you think in a different way to a, um, a lot of other people in business. Um, but also you can't kind of turn that off either. So, um, you know, wherever you go, you'll look at your friend's house and say, oh, well, we have painted it. That <laughs> um, but also it's sometimes they're prepared to do the work for, for not much money um, because they just want to do it because it's just, that's just what in, they just need to be them. Producing in them. Um, and so, the, um, and you have to be very careful of that because what we do is produce something that is, does, does have a commercial value and a benefit. And so you need to charge the right amount of money for it. And so in my business, we have um, people who talk to the clients about money, which is who is not me. So I can be as enthusiastic and love uh, from a pure design point, of view, love the opportunity that's about to present itself and truly genuinely love it. And then, and then I leave the room, and they go, "Bruce, you need to go now, and we need to talk about money." The, the parents then,
0: are talking now, type thing. Exactly. Like, yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. Somebody else needs to talk about the money, um, who isn't the person who is going to be creating the design, because I think that then there's a it's just such a conflict because you're so desperate to do the opportunity, um, but you know, I remember years and years ago, my um, there was a recession, probably middle of the '90s, sometime. And 1990s, and uh, we were working for Schweppes, the the um, soft drink company, and they had decided that they needed to pitch out um, the design for a new soft drink they were producing, and um, they had a maximum um, fee that was going to be five thousand pounds to pitch, because we would never do we never do any free pitching, we always get paid for it in our in our industry, um, and and I said to my dad, I said, you know, we just started this business. And I said, I don't know if I can do that. I said, I know it costs me eight thousand pounds to do the work, and uh, and and they're only going to pay me five thousand. The other agencies have said they'll do it for five thousand, um, but I don't think we can do that. And and he and he said to me, you know, he said, what the, the worst? What you're trying to do is service your clients, and he said the worst service you could ever give your client would be to go bust in the halfway through the process of, of designing, um, because literally nobody would have anything and, and nowhere to go. And he said, and if truthfully you believe that it costs you 8,000 pounds to do this work, then you must go back to your client and say, actually, it's going to cost, I'm sorry, but it's going to have to cost 8,000 pounds. Otherwise, the danger is we'll go bust and we'll leave you in the lurch You know, if we were to win the job. So I did go back, and I said that, and we won the pitch, and they paid us 8,000 (laughs) pounds. (laughs) because it was true it was truthfully it it wasn't a con i wasn't trying to con them out of any money i actually really want an up i just
0: need to upgrade my vehicle (laughs) and petrol's currently like 120 a a, a gallon (laughs) and blah 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 so yeah i am i really like the the um idea of using breaking the fourth wall in business communications especially in meetings i think that the days of very stodgy business meetings where the elephant in the room isn't addressed, to me, seem to be very, very dead and buried. And perhaps that's just my proclivity. I'm sure, yeah, I can't imagine that in um civil engineering, there's many like jokes that get cracked. But when you're talking about trying to uncover everyone's biases and elicit the responses that you all are hiding, and sometimes even you yourself, as someone of, you know, however many decades it is of experience within this industry, you might need some work from your client or your partners in kind of dragging that out of you. Like, yep. So Bruce, no, 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 what you like? Let's just before we move on, what what exactly yeah. are you trying to say with you know that that collaborative yep. um uh, Was it zero, uh, zero? sum game, like, but not. You know, it's like yeah. one plus one equals five. Like, that's what you're trying to get yeah. to, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what you really because a lot of uh, people behind, in particularly in those kind of meetings, hide behind um, sort of standard words. The you know the difference between, you know, some brands. Honestly, I mean, they all have the same values. They all have exactly the same values. And what you're desperately trying to do to make things look. You know, unmistakably visually, you need them to have an unmistakable difference in the first place to be able to communicate that. Um, and so, you're desperately trying to uncover that. And sometimes it is literally you've you've done the meeting and you thought, well, okay, we'll go with the best we've got here, but we <laughs> haven't really got the answer. You know, they haven't really opened up, and it's kind of almost in the elevator down to reception that you that they say so what they're really are. Go back up, yeah. is this. You know, and you go, well, why didn't you say that in the first place? <laughs> Uh, so, but, I, but you do need to get them in that level. You know, you yes, need to get really deep. I understand. Really deep to us um,
0: to spend. I played a game with Richard Shotton, uh, behavioral economist, uh, consumer behavior expert, and it was called "What Words I Hate Most in Marketing." And I wondered if you've got what words you hate most in design. So you're sitting down with the client. So, for instance, I could give you one from um, events, which is energy. It just needs to look like it's got energy. You know, it's like, it's a club night. Like, of course it's got energy in it. It needs to, oh, here's another one. Here's another one for you. Studenty. Looks good, but could be a bit more studenty. What do you mean? Like, I, I see myself writing these briefs and going, I hate me. Like I yeah. would, if I was Johnny, my designer, I would hate me. But somehow he's just got the patience of an absolute saint, which I'm presuming a lot of graphic designers must have to develop. Yeah, I think so. I think um, so
1: I sort of, and and also, uh, um, uh, an un, un, un unwavering optimism that there could be something <laughs> great here. <laughs> yeah.
0: So this is the twentieth email where the client sent me just yeah. pure shit. But <laughs> this time it might be good. So are there any? Yeah. Are there any terms that you would, if you were? Um, president of global graphic design are there any words that would be outlawed or would be banned
1: uh, brainstorm <laughs> let's do a brainstorm <laughs> and the reason it's like you know you do a workshop to think of ideas and, and nothing ever come, good comes out of them. Nothing ever. Like, as soon as I hear that word, you're going to run a brainstorm. We're going to have a brainstorm with a client. Everyone's going to get involved. Nothing good comes out of them, you know. <laughs> it really doesn't. And so that is a word that I would just, well, I'd just like to, from creative point of view, thinking of ideas, you know, you need to have thought of an idea and then go for a walk around the park or travel on the bus. And then when you finish that, come back wake up in the morning and go, is it still a good idea now? Probably not. You know, We don't need to think of another one. Like They don't happen with 25 people in a room all collaborating and throwing ideas. They just never happen. Everyone comes away from them thinking, that was great. We all had such a great creative time, but we produced nothing from them. I yeah. think they're uh, completely overrated. You have a proxy for creativity, don't you, which
0: is actually that the creativity is being masked under volume and yeah. – to just kind of uh, velocity of, of of it to this and it to this
1: and it to this. It's like put twenty five yes. people in a
0: room talking about anything and they'll say a lot of words.
1: Yeah, yeah, and nothing. I don't think I've ever seen anything good come out. I mean, I've seen you know good connections with people come out of them, but not actually any good ideas. But, but actually, going back to that word, studenty. I sometimes think studenty, and uh, people say that you know that idea is a bit studenty, um, and what they mean is it's a bit naive. But actually, sometimes I think that actually a student idea is pure. You know, it's sort of, uh, it's, it hasn't had the effects of 30 years in the design business, um, you know, lavished upon it. So actually, sometimes the student idea can be the best idea. quite so yeah. studenty. to me is actually, these days, I think it's quite a, it's, it's quite a good thing.
0: I get it. I think what, what we mean when we say student is more bottles of VK and um <laughs> yes. girls it girls in denim shorts. I think that's kind of what we're erring toward. <laughs> but I think from a design perspective, you're probably correct as well. So um again, I'm gonna ask you a, a challenging question. This might be like, again, I did this to Richard, choosing your favorite children, but do you have a top three designs? Um, or it could just be some that come to mind of all time. There could be your work, there could be other people's works, um, just stuff that you love.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I I love um, logos. I love the FedEx logo. Have you have a, had a good look at the FedEx logo? Red and a, black. Red. Uh, it's 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 sort of a purple and orange actually. Yep. You know, okay. Um, okay. and what it does in between the the word Fed and the word X, I think it's between the E and the X. Mm-hmm. Um, the negative space um, is is it, is I'm an arrow. yeah. Can can you see the little arrow in the? negative space yes i can yeah yeah okay. and and i just think it's a you know it's a delivery company and that's a great it's strong it's bold it's distinctive it's unmistakable and I it's also got a little that. fun little idea in it which is this in this negative space um is is an arrow now negative space is something which is the space in between objects so when you go to art school um it's something that art students know about um when they when you draw a still life I remember somebody saying to uh, one of my teachers saying, right, there's a jug and a glass of water. I said, now, to get the proportion of the jug and the glass of water right when you draw it, if you draw the space in between, so don't draw the glass and then draw the uh, the jug next to it. Draw the space in between. Look at the space in between, then then that's what a negative space is, right? It's the space in between things. And that allows you to um, get those two things in proportion to each other. And it's a technique that graphic designers use all the time. And so what you're seeing in that FedEx lo- logo is that I can see very quickly, first thing I look at is that arrow. <laughs> it I was- look the negative- <laughs> all the time and it's a wonderful thing because it's a very um somebody said great design great graphic design was um something that gives you a smile in your mind like when you see it you go oh god that's great i love that and i think when i think that every time i look at that that fedex logo because i see the arrow and i think oh that's that's pretty smart that well i mean it's, it's so like,
0: smart that it it, as a two-dimensional image, has outsmarted me for the 32 years I've been on this planet. You know. Well, now
1: if you know about it, you'll tell all your friends. I can't
0: not see it. You can't. Un- you cannot unsee that now. Yeah.
1: I mean, and people who you know had said that about our Amazon logo. You know, uh, the A to Z. Did you know there was a smile? You know, it says A to Z. I went, no, I had no idea. You know, I didn't and an have seen it. I didn't notice the arrow <laughs> thing. I got the smile. I was like, oh, I got it. I got it, it as a it, smile
0: there, and it's like. You see, it's but, so much more than you knew, yeah.
1: Well, and th- I think that's what makes a good piece of design: is that that the more you look at it, the better it gets, and that you don't want to just give um, everybody such an obvious thing that they get it immediately. I mean, it's like a you know a great album cover. You know, the more you look at it, you know, the more you see, um, and that's what makes things great. I think depth of thought and you know depth of craft.
0: Similarly, as well, I suppose you have to make it sufficiently visceral or obvious for want of a better word. It has to emote very quickly. Um yeah. Richard on the most recent episode dropped this statistic. I think it's 98% of online content is looked at for less than a second.
1: Oh yeah. I so it.
0: you're talking about an unbelievably short amount of time. So you, you as a graphic designer not only have to make something which is like this beautiful, timeless, legacy inducing layers upon layers of brilliance, but also immediately gratifying and recognisable and all the rest of it. And I suppose yeah. that's why you guys get paid the
1: big books. That's right. That's exactly right. Because <laughs> you, you need to do both and it's not easy to do both.
0: Yeah, I bet it isn't. Uh, any, yeah. other, any other adverts um, or, or bits uh, of packaging uh, or well. stuff that you love that come to mind?
1: Uh, I mean, you know, you can't not love the, uh, the iconic Coca-Cola bottle, can you? Um, you, you because it is the, the curvature, you know, the... Who did um, that, do you know? The, the contour bottle. Um, now, I believe, I don't know actually who did it. I know that it was designed originally by mistake, in that, um, which is probably why it's so unique. Um, it, somebody originally thought that Coca-Cola had cocoa beans in it, and the bottle uh, doesn't. Um, and the, the the bottle originally the top half of it the most curvaceous stop where the shoulders are was in the shape of a like like a cocoa uh, um, a cocoa bean, and that's why it's got this curvaceous shape. So that's where the very first bottle came from, which Raymond, was a
0: mistake. Raymond Lowy. Well, Raymond Lowy,
1: Yeah, he didn't design it originally, but he he yeah he. Um, he, he sort of perfected it. Um, and one of, his, uh, one of the ways that he was um, allegedly said that I want, it wanted to be so distinctive that if you were to drop it and pick up a shard of that glass, <laughs> you'd know it's from that shape. Wow. Isn't that How great-
0: beautiful is that? That's so cool. I love that. The fact that you could take it to pieces
1: and still, from
0: one component part, be able to work out what it was.
1: Yeah, because it's so distinctive, it's so unmistakable. Um, so that has to be probably the most iconic piece of packaging there is in the world, I would imagine. Um, and then I think I go into other areas. I think you know, I love, um, I love all sorts of other design. You know, I love car design. I think that's a it's, it's it's a it's a weird thing at the moment. Cars are a weird thing at the moment. They're not so uh, popular. But the shape of a car and uh, th- that has an enormous emotional. Um, value and a technological value, and and I think there's some, you know, and it, if it, you know, and, they, and these things are, are part of our lives. That's what I love them about them so much. Um, all those pieces I've mentioned, the, the the Coca-Cola bottle or the car design or whatever, you know, we use them every single day. You know, it's not some beautiful object that you stick on a shelf and you you look at it and say, isn't that a beautiful piece of design? It's things you use every day. I think that's what I love about. It. That's why I love working on. of these huge brands because it's
0: it's your it's your art in motion isn't
1: it yeah it is it really is yeah um, somebody um was talking to me about um when um uh, anthropologists when they um study ancient cultures um they look at the material culture the things that were left behind by the culture and from those things that they dig up the uh, archaeologists dig up they can tell the lifestyle of the um of that particular race of people so they know the difference between saxon and you know or and norman because of the design of the pieces that they find in the ground they've no idea they've never met anybody from those eras because they're all dead Um, but they make deductions based on the material culture they leave behind and i think that that's what we're sort of doing as designers at the moment we are producing the material culture of our era um, and so in thousands of years' time, they can say, oh, yeah, people, you know, they loved, you know, Apple design. They loved the curve and the, the beautiful screens. And, you know, they, it says something about us. And and I just think that that should be the most brilliantly designed stuff because it's part of our lives.
0: Bruce, I love it, man. The, the implications of having a serious approach to it, – it, and on the surface of it, it's not just about – consumer behavior because it could quite easily be seen as you say not once today have you talked about conversions or customer retention or um you know <clears throat> margins and things like that although that's obviously going to be a consideration but that's not your consideration what you're thinking about is is something totally different to that
1: yeah uh, i mean i'm thinking about um I'm, I'm thinking that if you that if you had a if you're trying to sell more we've just done special k right for kellogg's right and when you yeah and it's it it looks different now and i think it looks it looks so it's, it's a really good job i really like what we've done um you know what i'm trying to do is it, i know what they need to do which is to sell more special k right <laughs> um, and you can do that in a in in a, a very basic way you know you could do it in a very basic way you could do it in a very mediocre way but but i don't think that you should do it in anything in a mediocre way i mean you could probably get more sales by i don't know making a picture of the bowl of the cereal look a bit better you could do a little bit of things you know those kind of things but i think you should you should look at that um, design and you should transform it into something that is a truly great piece of design and of course by doing that it will get you more customer sales i mean we're all in it for the same thing we still want to get People to buy more special K. We want to do it in a way um, that gives the the client the design that will last a long time, um, and that is is stands out and is genuinely unmistakable. Um, because then there's so much value in that for the client, so much value. Uh, because then when he comes to redesign it again in five years time, um, you know they can that they can build on that and make it even more unmistakable. Um, And I I think the big sort of the enemy, everyone has to have an enemy, right, you're fighting against, and that is mediocrity. Average mediocrity has just got to be, you know, as soon as anybody does anything that you go, oh, God, that wasn't all that good. It's such a wasted opportunity, and, um, yeah, we don't want to do that.
0: There's a, um, I'm going to rehash an idea that I've heard a number of times before, and you may have done as well, It's Rory Sutherlandism about how people, especially in the advertising world, would much sooner fail at putting out a safe project than succeed at putting out something which is risky. Because if the risky choice ended up somehow not working, that is the onus of that is completely on Bruce's head. He went out of his way to come up with this real left field, very unique offering. Whereas if you just follow the formula and you're like, well, we 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 followed the we followed the sheet like it's just the same as the last 10 adverts why didn't it work oh it's okay bruce don't worry mate you know sometimes these things just don't come off we know that the formula works we'll get them next time and um i think it leads to a a real homogenizing of of the brands and you've mentioned this with cars like i didn't think about until now but you're right like i've been excited by a new car design in ages Absolutely, except for Tesla, maybe, which I look at start now and I still think, like, you see an X, especially the X is so big and so imposing. And you're mm. like, oh my God, like, that's such a weird, cool, different sort of car, but it's very rare. So, yeah, I think, um, people, people playing it safe, especially when you've got, varying degrees of stakeholders involved and your 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 firm doesn't want to be the firm that fucked up coca-cola and you know like it is it is um it's difficult balancing
1: yeah yeah it would be irresponsible to fuck up coca-cola really (laughs) 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 i don't think we'd get many more projects if that happened i don't think that you have either but Uh, you you can't necessarily uh, there are clients who would love to go further then you think that they should go as well. You know, the opposite happens. You think that creative people always want to push clients. But actually, clients sometimes always want to push designers as well. Um, and, you know, we've had a – I had a, a spectacular failure, um, which I'm happy to tell you about.
0: Yes, we, I wanted um, to know. I want yeah,
1: to know. Yeah, so there's a lot to learn from it, actually. So um, we, we designed, uh, redesigned uh, Mr. Kipling Cakes maybe uh, – this is quite a few years ago now – um, and it was at the time when uh, Nigella Lawson was making cupcakes and everybody was into home baking. And it, Mr. Kipling were going to relaunch as that kind of a brand. So they were going to not be there because they're, they're, they're sort of charming for what they are, which is a sort of, you know, everyday, you know, in plastic, baked good, that everybody knows what they're like. They're the sweet old aren't they? Yes, yeah, they sort of are, oh, yes, you're right. Um, but there was a lot of... Um, uh, emphasis on making it much more of a home baked type product, and so we did this packaging that looked absolutely spectacular and looked just like a home baked uh, Mister Kipling would. You know, it was all is beautiful photography. It, it looked fantastic, and Nigella Lawson would have been proud of it. And then about uh, six weeks before everything was due to launch, um, the factory had, um, found it very difficult to replicate. The actual products, the change of product, um, to look as good as the actual homemade product that we had photographed, and so they said, "Actually, what we're going to do is we're going to launch with the old cakes and the new packaging because the packaging loved it. So everybody who saw it in consumer research absolutely loved it and said we would just buy so much more if we, if it looked like that." And and that was a, a classic. So many lo- so many lessons you can learn from that. So they launched it with the new packaging and the old product and of course everyone bought it the spike in sales went through the roof and then everyone opened it up and it was exactly the same as it was <laughs> in the anything like what was on the outside <laughs> so the sort of you have to be truthful in in everything that you do and and although they wanted to move into, into a new area and be really exciting which would have been great had they been able to produce the product um you know th- there's a real lesson that you can't you know you can't pretend to be something that you're not you know, you do have to just be truthful. Um, and what they should have done was just stalled the relaunch and got the product right, and then launched the two together. That's what should have happened, but it didn't. And um, yeah, that's a lesson. And we haven't had many failures, but that's a fairly spectacular. I can't,
0: I can't believe that you've been uh, flummoxed by baking. Like you've done, <laughs> you've got everything right, and then some fella somewhere in the factory put too much butter in, and now you've got to your designs. Well, it doesn't
1: work because what you're trying to do is be unmistakable in what you're trying to visualize, but you're also trying to get the truth of what the product is out to people so that they're under no illusion. Uh, You know, it has to be honest and truthful and decent and, and exciting to look at and, you know, and lying doesn't
0: work But that integration now i think and and integrity and and having virtue as a brand from top to bottom from packaging to product to pricing to a company ethos to all of that stuff especially now with always on 24 7 communication which is seamless and happens across the globe there's no room to pull the wool over customers eyes anymore you can't be the psychopath the traveling psychopath that used to take advantage of every town and then, oh, well, I'm done there now. Like that snake oil salesman my way to the next one. Like there isn't, there's none of that anymore. You see brands, you see people say sentences. Milo Yiannopoulos. I was reminiscing about Milo Yiannopoulos' fall from grace. Like it, one sentence on one podcast and that's yeah. him gone from the entire public sphere done. You're like, yeah. Oh my God. Sargon of Akkad his entire Patreon gone one sentence in some bizarre corner of the the internet you know all of these different people and the same
1: is true for brands. even even more so for brands leverage through yeah. the roof right and actually now's an interesting time for brands i mean because you know i was noticing in my um on my uh, essential trip to uh, the supermarket earlier the empty shelves and i was thinking how interesting it was that all of the kind of funky new uh, brands that are out there were actually on the shelf still but the kind of older, more trusted, uh, safe brands had all sold out. You know, um, you know the, the the disinfectant that isn't organic and just destroys everything had sold out you know um, mr
0: muscle is never going to struggle during a pandemic is he <laughs> absolutely. mr muscle with mr kipling and aunt bessie are yeah. absolutely loving yeah. it at the moment they're all having a party around they're not doing social distancing they're shaking hands <laughs> yeah it's um i, I couldn't agree more See how, they,
1: how, how they're behaving and you see you know louis vuitton producing yeah and a number of others now following the same suit producing um you know some kind of hand wipes or whatever or you know some kind of disinfectant type products and you think that's a that's a really good bit of um you know branding for them you know people will remember them as being you know um a company that reacted fast you know someone like um you know louis vuitton you think is so sort of so out of reach of most people but i think the decisions they've made as a brand in at this moment are are fantastic
0: they are Um, i wonder i brought this up again recently but i wonder how many brands are weaponizing goodwill at the moment i think they are i think a lot of them are doing something that is that is virtue signaling for the sake of it because they think someone in a meeting somewhere and maybe this is just my skepticism about brands that have turned a corner and again what that would imply either it one of two things can be correct either the brands are um weaponizing goodwill and they're using it to uh further their uh brand equity that they can then monetize in the future or their marketing communication in advance of that wasn't sufficiently effective to make me believe that they were the sort of company that would do this off their own back.
1: Exactly, exactly. It's actually poor marketing, probably. And you, and the ones that jump on the bandwagon, you can see them all jumping on the bandwagon now. You know, I think it'll have little effect on. I think you know your skepticism is shared by most consumers. You know, they will go, really, you know, really. Well, you know what they should do: get Turner Duckworth involved.
0: Get turned up with involved.
1: Just, that has been the um, that is the answer to so many people's problems. I
0: agree. So link will be
1: in show notes below, of course. Look, Bruce, today's <laughs> yes, been
0: today's been fantastic. Thank you so much. I really oh, I've
1: loved it. I've really enjoyed really enjoyed chatting. And and I just think, you know, let's uh, let's design everything beautifully. Let's have a wonderfully designed planet, you know, and the the world will be better for it.
0: That's amazing. Um if people want to check out what it is that you guys do, where should they go?
1: Um, go to turnitupworth.com dot com, and everything's on there. Not everything's on there, but there's about ten projects on there. And um, yeah, and but just look on the internet. There's plenty out there. Awesome, Bruce. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great. A pleasure.
0: Thank you very much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend. It would make me very happy indeed. Don't forget, if you've got any questions or comments or feedback, feel free to message me at chriswillex on all social media. But for now, goodbye, friends.